welcome to Meet My Mutual with Sarah and Ava. Pour some wine, light a joint, or don't, and meet my mutual. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Ava. I'm Sarah. Thanks for listening. And this is Meet My Mutual. We oh, yeah. have some <laughs> we have some exciting merch news, which if you haven't seen already on Instagram, we just launched some merch with t-shirts, sweatshirts, bags, hats, mugs. Yes. You name it. <laughs> yeah, we're really excited. It's our first merch launch. Um, meetmymutual.com if you want to check out what we have. Most everything is, I think, extra small to 4X. Yeah, the sweatshirts go to 5XL is the best that we could find. But um, yeah, we hope you guys like it. It's really soft, nice embroidered material and everything. We have some really great designs coming too. So if you're not into the pour some wine, light a joint logo, we will have some more casual <laughs> designs for you. Yeah, yeah. We do have one mug though that is our um, like our logo, or just our faces on the, the drawing of the logo. So that's an option for you guys too. Um but also, like, send ideas if you see, you know, if yeah. you have an idea for a cool merch design, that'd be great because we're doing it all ourselves. Yeah, if you hear a cool quote or, like, you, like, yeah, just let us know and we'll make it into a t-shirt. <laughs> um, but we have an amazing guest today. Her name is Lexi Amaral. Sarah and I both went to Northeastern with her. She's a doula. She's a spin instructor. She's an advocate for those recovering from eating disorders. And, yeah, so she's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I, like – I don't know about you, but I personally feel like this was just a really good, positive conversation, made me feel really inspired and confident um, for many different reasons. So I'm really excited for you to hear it. But we do want to say this is your trigger warning now. We talk pretty in depth about some serious eating disorders and journey to body positivity. And then also we talk about birth and pregnancy. And so there's a lot of like, you know, really positive spin and like how We've recovered from a lot of these things, but just putting that out there that if you're sensitive to those subjects, now you know. Yeah, um, but I definitely encourage everyone to listen. It's a really good conversation. I learned a lot. And also, I just, I don't know, she's just a really inspirational person to look up to, especially if you um, find yourself with these same issues. And uh, yeah, we can't wait for you guys to listen. So on that note, <laughs> pour some wine. Light a joint and meet my mutual. Thanks. Bye. Our guest today is Alexis Amaral. In addition to being a fellow Northeastern University alumna and a badass body positive spin class instructor, Lexi is also a certified doula and a lactation counselor based in North Carolina. So let's backtrack a little bit and just tell us about your story. Where did you grow up? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Connecticut. I um, had ventured a lot into Boston and New York, obviously, growing up. So that's how I kind of ended up at Northeastern. But uh, like, I don't think you said this in the intro, but we all obviously went to Greece together our first semester. Mm -hmm. And uh that was exactly what I could have hoped for in my <laughs> first experience in college since I had tried to escape every possible moment that I could growing up from small town Connecticut. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, that's so relatable. I remember 
like getting I didn't apply to that program like I don't know if you applied to it I don't think I did oh you could I know yeah you yeah I didn't know that though and I remember getting it I remember just being like what (laughs) but then just being like okay this is what I'm doing my mom was like I don't know about this. Like, I'm just, I'm just really nervous. Like you're already going to school and then you're just going to go to another country. And I was like, if you're panicking about this, it's probably the best choice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Might be a good idea. So like since graduating, obviously all of our lives have gone off in different directions since 20, this was 2013 that uh, we were in Greece and (laughs) traveling together. Um, I know I'm not the same person. Thank God for that. <laughs> Thank you, therapy. Um, but like in retrospect, there are a lot of things I wish I could change about that time. Like looking back to you, like how do you feel about your college years and who you are now as a person? I feel like generally speaking, I'm relatively the same like externally, but I've, again, like you said, thank you, therapy, done a lot of work internally. I was still like really fighting my eating disorder in the beginning of college. So I um, like have struggled with bulimia and anorexia for a long time. And I was still kind of facing that when we first got to college. And then throughout that time, I feel like I was really able to share that with other people. And that's when I kind of started being able to heal myself because I was helping other people confront it as well. So um, I feel like just going through all of that was really big. But I mean, I was so insecure and I thought I was so secure. You know, mm-hmm. like I I kept thinking I was in a good place and then I would just crumble one day. And mm-hmm. I feel like now looking back, I'm <laughs> have so much growing to do still and just so much reflecting and just so much trust in myself that I had to build, like that I could make decisions for myself and that I knew what I wanted and what I, what I could do. Um, I feel like actually in Greece, I had probably one of the most impactful experiences in my real life, honestly. Yeah. And it wasn't actually in Greece, but I was in Italy and cause we had the best semester, first semester of college ever. (laughs) Um, and I was in this random little cafe by myself, like two tables that could fit like eight people. And it was just like free seating. So everyone was just sitting around. I ended up sitting next to this older woman and she had basically started this new life for herself where she was taking other older women around the country and on trips to India after their kids had like gotten out of college. And so she was like, I read my whole life as like a mother and a wife. And then my kids left and I had no identity and I wanted other women to like have that space. And she's like, and now I do something new every day. I never stay in the same place. Like blah, blah, blah. She's like, I don't even have a house. My stuff's all in different friends' apartments. And I was like, all right, that's amazing. Little wild to have like stuff all over, but the energy is so wild. Isn't it so crazy? I was like, you're a boss. But that like idea of, wanting to like first of all the independence and like finding your own identity and all of that and then also just the notion of trying something new every single day and mm-hmm. I've like really held on to that and I didn't necessarily in college because it's so crazy but then the more I just kept reflecting on that one moment for a long time and I've really tried to stick with that since and like even if it's something small like if I wouldn't normally you know maybe there was somebody who like I wasn't that close with and like was nervous to like I don't know, asked to go hang out or whatever. And 
even something that small with like trying that new thing. But I feel like it's really helped me frame just a much bigger life for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, it's like that absolute freedom of like, I don't have to conform to any of these expectations. Yes. Like I'm going to live life how I want to live it. That's amazing. I, I love that yeah. you met her. I what know. Cool story. I don't have a cool story like that <laughs> from that trip. No, yeah, I mean, otherwise it was mostly a hot mess. I was like. <laughs> well, I love that you met this amazing, like free-spirited woman and she really inspired you. I feel like kind of related to that, we know from social media that you've had a little bit of a career change. Yeah. And it sounds like this might sort of be inspired by the same realm. Can you tell us about that whole journey and what caused you to uh, yeah. go down this different path? Totally. Um, I had a really wild career story for only being like four years out of college. Or, mm-hmm. yeah. um, is it four know. years? How old are we? I think it's about four years. We, we don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we're very mature. Um. So, I mean, after school, I just worked at like a boring software company. I mean, it was a great company to work for, but it was definitely not for me. And I also was so over Boston. I don't. Do, I don't. You still live in Boston? No. No. I live in New York. Yeah. I went home. Yeah. 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 I also went home. <laughs> yeah. I. <laughs> Now I'm home because my parents are in North Carolina. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I was so over Boston, like to the ninth degree, could not stand it anymore. So I just started looking at jobs in New York and ended up working in events for a rock climbing gym, which is oh. so obscure. Wait, was, I remember that. That is so yeah. random. <laughs> it was so fun. It was so crazy. Wait, what but kind was, of events? Like we would put on rock climbing competitions. Oh my God. Um, we would do like um there was like drag queen competitions at the gym. Oh, there was like so rad. We yeah, we did like a ton of like lifestyle events that were related to stuff. That's so and New York like, though. Like New York has yeah. weird ass shit like that, but like it's it was fun. <laughs> so fun. Like the, the amount of crazy things that I did, I literally have a, a tattoo on my back that was free because we paid tattoo artists to come to our events. Oh my god. That's the thing. <laughs> I got invited to a party at a magazine that like had free tattoos. Like it was, or it was was like a flash tattoo event. They're like, yeah, come come between these hours and you can get a free tattoo. And I was like, yeah, "Mm, I don't know. It was sick. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's always like, why do you have a rope on your back? And I'm like, it was free. (laughs) Absolutely no other reason. (laughs) You can make up like some deep meaning for that. Like, yeah, I really should. I really should. But yeah, anyway, so then I was like, all right, this is not really going anywhere in the long run. Um, and I've always loved babies, like always love babies, um, which we'll definitely get into later in more depth. But (laughs) I found this company that was starting a new form of childcare and I've always been in like marketing and sales and stuff. And that was kind of what the role was. So, uh, jumped into that, but it was a, it was a startup. So startups are obviously risky. Um, and that's kind of where the the craziness really began. Mm. Uh, it was amazing. I loved it so much, worked with such great people, really got to get in touch with this passion of mine related to children and everything, which kind of started the rest of the journey. But um, then they shut down out of nowhere. We oh no, got a calendar invite for one morning and they told us the next day that it was no longer in existence. And yeah. Good luck. <laughs> See you later. Oh my God. It was, it was wild. That's Thankfully, like traumatizing. I was going to yeah, say that's it, kind of traumatic. Was. 
Oh, but wait. Oh, oh no, I'm here. I'm ready. So then I was like, all right, let me use this time to like really do something I'm passionate about. I had like, I was doing a bunch of consulting and random stuff. So I was still fine. And um, I was working at like Soul Cycle and stuff too. And um, mm-hmm. so that's when I got my doula training going. And then I was kind of over having like 75 jobs. So I started looking <laughs> for a full time job again, got one. And it just really was not for me by any means. Um, it didn't end up being really the role that I thought it was going to be. Um, it was just a really exhausting environment. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I actually got fired. <laughs> oh my God, really? I, yeah, I never in my life ever thought that I would ever, ever, ever have gotten fired. Yeah, I am like it, such a perfectionist. It happens to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that wasn't a that wasn't a shock and like a judgment. I was a shock and like I can't imagine what that would feel <laughs> no, like, like I'm the in the experience. same role because like I would I'm the same way. I'm like, who would fire me? But like I could totally get fired. <laughs> right? You know? Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's like a lot of reasons that were related to a lot of things and not necessarily like my work and whatnot, but mm-hmm. yeah. And ultimately, like, it just wasn't a good fit. So I was, but that has still done so much to my, like, overall perception of myself and work and everything, too. Like, I could, I could dive into that for hours. But I mean, I was, I was laid off at the beginning of the pandemic, which, like, isn't even the same as being fired, but it's still, like, your head just, you start thinking a lot of things that aren't true about yourself. So true. Like with the first situation with the the startup that I was working at, it was different because it was like we were all in it together. Like it was every single person at the company. Mm-hmm. We were all right. helping each other find jobs. Like it was it was just different. It wasn't anyone's fault. It was just a startup and we didn't get more funding and that was just it. Mm-hmm. But this, it was like, even though I knew it wasn't related to me necessarily and my work ethic and everything, it just still is like yeah. crazy. But it also makes made me realize too that it's so important to always be choosing a career and a pathway that is right for you. And not just because you are sick of like chasing or, you know, I was like so overworking a bunch of different jobs while I was trying to like get to my passion. Right. And then I took this job and it was not great for me and it didn't work out in like (laughs) the worst kind of way. So I mean, that was just such a big lesson for myself. Like if I had just not taken it and just kept grinding, like where could I have gotten instead? But fortunately (laughs) it was literally the week before COVID happened. So I, yeah, it was such weird timing. Um, That is so, so, there's so many stories like that where people are like, this was supposed to happen right before. Yeah. Yeah, and then my lease was up that oh, month, so I so was you like, like peace right. out. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, gotta go. So I left New York and I moved in with my parents for a bit, which I again things I never thought I'd do. Um, and I decided to again like take the time to get back to my passion, and that's when I got my lactation counselor certification. And I started building my website and stuff, and I was just doing a bunch of like freelance and consulting and whatnot. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where I started that. I still, I have a new full-time job now. So, and that's amazing. It's like in the fitness space, which is very adjacent to all of my life passions. I'm obviously Uh very into fitness and wellness and all of that, but, um, I still get to do my lactation stuff and doula stuff too. So it's been Mm -hmm. really, really great. Yeah. 
but crazy, so, crazy path to get here. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Wait. So for our listeners who don't know, can you explain what a doula is? Yes. So, all right. First of all, there are a lot of different types of doulas. So um, I don't want to just give the blanket explanation, but mm-hmm. um, a doula as a whole is kind of someone that brings and assists another person through some sort of journey. So there's actually like divorce doulas oh my God. and wow. abortion doulas, bereavement doulas, like there, wow. it's really just meant to be an like emotional and physical support person for like these big life transitions. So of course, birth and pregnancy is like a massive life transition and that's the realm that I'm in. So, so um, yeah, I studied to be a birth doula and, but I really am focusing a lot more on postpartum, especially with COVID. They really aren't Mm -hmm. allowing additional people into hospitals and stuff right now. So really focused on postpartum, but anyway, so if I was a birth doula, what I would do would work with my client to give them recommendations on questions to ask their doctor, maybe help them create a birth plan if that felt good for them. Um, Just kind of start to pick their brain and ask them different questions that they might not be thinking of. Because like, let's be honest, if you're not around people who are giving birth and like, even if you have the best sex ed class, like we still have no idea right. mm-hmm. what is going to happen during that experience. It's just not culturally. Yeah discussed in America you don't yeah. see it you're not present at other people's births in yeah. other countries like whole communities even there. just like in like tv shows and movies like they just show like it's always the same scene yeah. of like the woman's like pushing or whatever and like the dad's yeah. there like it's not I don't know yeah don't and right. like we were talking about this <laughs> so the other true. day Ava like every person's experience can be so different and you sometimes either just like get lucky or don't or I don't know what it is that yeah has a good birth path but yeah sometimes you can't, like I literally have no idea what to expect and nobody could tell me because it could be so different for each person. Yeah. yeah. Very. It's so true. It's so true. And it's it's just mind-boggling to me mm-hmm. that this is I mean, obviously I know not everyone wants to have children and that's let's be real probably best for <laughs> the environment yeah. and everything at this point. So I am all for that. But for those that do want to have kids, like we the fact that we can't tell each other or like discuss or even brainstorm what that experience is going to be like and what we want out of that experience. Like what other massive life event do you have that you can't sit there and have a conversation with your friends about what you want the experience to be like? Mm. Yeah. Like Mm. there's nothing. And that's just, that makes me so fired up. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) we talk about like our funeral or like how, like if you want to be buried or cremated or whatever, like that's kind of normal to discuss. You're right. I'm just so, so passionate about making sure that people are prepared for what the experience could be and that when they enter into the the space, whether it's if they choose to have a home birth or a hospital birth, that they get the experience as close to what they can Mm -hmm. as they wanted. Of course, there are things that you're like not going to be able to control like with anything in life, but you know, so often a lot of the times that like interventions occur and things of that nature. So just to back up, an intervention would be something like if they had to end up using forceps to get the baby out or they had to um, induce you, that's considered an intervention. Just kind of anything that takes you off the pathway from the most 
natural birth. Not that everybody's going to have a natural birth by Mm -hmm. any means, but that's just what the term is referring to. Um, Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times those occur, not because someone wanted them to happen, but because they didn't have the resources to know that they had another option or that they didn't have to agree to what the doctor said. So, I mean, it's like a system like anything else in the way that America is structured, right? There's power and it's a hierarchy and doctors are in the position of power. And we enter into that space and don't feel like we have agency anymore because we're not Mm. the powerful person in that space. Mm So, you know, I'm using the universal we as a birthing person, but Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just like breaking through that system. And I think when you start to think of it like that, you can really recognize too, like why we have the outcomes that we do in America, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like during my doula training, they talked a lot about how like it's re- all related to white supremacy. And I mean, especially if we look at the differences in birthing experiences for white women to women of color, it's like very evident, but oh, yeah. even just on a whole, it's those structures are there. I know. I don't know how anyone can look at those statistics and not see a connection or like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so black and white to me that it's literally, it's right there. It's right there. And people just choosing not to believe it is, it's just wild. And I mean, it's crazy too, because so much of it and why I care so much about the postpartum side too, is that I feel like when people think about birth and like, there's, there tends to be a lot of fear associated with it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I like, I know about it and I'm still intimidated by it, but so much of the, like, um, the highest percentage of like deaths that actually do occur from and during pregnancy and related to pregnancy are after delivery and then postpartum, because again, we don't have systems set up for care and we're not living in community. So when we need things or when something's going awry, we don't necessarily recognize it because for the Mm -hmm. most part, especially Mm -hmm. during pandemic like it's just the birthing person maybe their partner if they have a partner and that's it if they don't have another resource who can speak to them and comfort them and recognize when maybe something's off then they're just kind of stuck so um I really just care about building that yeah yeah sorry to interrupt you would somebody who is going through like postpartum depression would they then go to their doula to kind of do you like talk to them like a therapist in a way or how does that relationship work no, definitely not. Not class or um, not <laughs> certified to do that. But right. what I would do would be help them find resources. Okay. Help them find a good therapist. Maybe find a support group, and just implement tools for them to be able to work through that. Things of that nature. It's really about being the community and like creating the community for birthing people that we just don't really have here. That's that so is so cool. fascinating. I never. Th- thought about it that way I don't know why I feel like whenever I would hear about doulas it was in like a very like LA people would have them yeah. or like yeah you know what I mean like it was not like looked down upon yeah. but like it was something it was like that a little most... woo-woo yeah like... yeah yeah it seems very bougie right yeah I definitely thought that too and and I was like oh I'm gonna work with all the fancy moms mm-hmm. in New York City and then when I was in my doula training I you know really heard the reality and started to really educate myself on the different experiences that white women, women of color have, and folks from, you know, more privileged communities have mm-hmm. in birth, just like everything else. And um, 
so I also would love to create like community programs and things like that. There's really amazing work do- being done in the city, um, New York being the city. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I live in the city too, but the city will always be New York to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> around community dual work and things like that. And um, I think anyone in this space it really should try to do what they can to also be working for the larger group as well. That's incredible. And like, those are the people who need it the most. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you're also, in addition to being a a doula, you're also a certified lactation counselor. Yes. Do you ever think about the episode of The Office when Pam cannot get her baby to latch and like literally ends up accidentally feeding the wrong baby slash have you seen this episode? (laughs) I'm – I almost got myself kicked out of my group chat with all my friends when I admitted this, but I've actually never watched The Office. (laughs) I'm shocked. Not even one episode? uh, Maybe one, but I am just like morally opposed to sitcoms. It's a really hot take. It's a very hot take. I wouldn't even call it a sitcom. Like, I mean, it's it's a comedy, but I wouldn't call it a sitcom. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, okay, okay, fine. I would, okay, <laughs> but let me let's give a brief overview of that yes, episode because yeah. it was funny. Not episode, <laughs> but like that scene. So one yes. of the characters has a baby, and they can't get the baby to latch, and so like they have a lactation like person come in and like teach them tricks and like whatever all the things. And the husband obviously is getting jealous because the lactation person's a man. And it's like is jealous that like the lactation guy is like flicking like touching her breast his wife's nipples and her nipple and whatever. Um (laughs) and then they're both the both of the parents are sleeping with um with the baby next to them, but they're in a shared room. And in the middle of the night the baby starts crying and Pam like leans over to feed the baby thinking it's hers but it was really the other person, and it latches other and, she's and it latches and she yeah, feeds it funny. and she's so happy and then she realizes in the morning when she wakes up that she fed the wrong baby it's like pretty funny <laughs> that's also, so cute how scary <laughs> <laughs> like what would she do <laughs> also we do not have shared rooms like that here <laughs> in the u.s so um that's hilarious i love that but i um so, watch so I definitely opera. don't ever think about that. But, <laughs> but like, so would you be that person who like comes in and helps yeah. the the mother? Yes, who just... But I would definitely never be flicking someone's nipple. <laughs> That's good. Um, Not in a professional yeah, setting. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, all bets are off. Um, yeah. No. I. It's very like I definitely like get up in in their <laughs> their chest, but I'm not you. I'm never touching. There's like no reason for me to touch them. Noted. So I might I'm writing like, a letter. Baby or <laughs> I'm you know, I've never watched The Office once, but I'm very upset at this episode that I heard about one time. <laughs> I'm gonna send it in. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sounds highly <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> I'm like, that is misinformation and no one's gonna breastfeed, thanks to you. <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah. okay, you were talking like a little bit earlier about how there's a lot of fear that comes with childbirth and a lot of that is due to us not really talking about it. Yeah. I am one of those people who like I think I want kids, but I am absolutely like it's up there with top fears. I'm so terrified of the whole process of even pregnancy, birth, like post-delivery recovery. 
just tell me about it. Like, do you think it's true when people say it's worth it in the end? Like, I don't know. (laughs) I think people just need to listen to whatever their journey is. But I would, I mean, I'm always the type of person who encourages someone not to lean into fear. I feel like I did that for so much of my life, especially when I was like in darker places. I always, now I'm obviously getting sidetracked, but I always was choosing fear. And I feel like I had to actively choose Mm. the opposite of that and to choose to trust myself and my instincts and all of that. So I think if you just trust your instincts, whether that is to go for it and have a baby or it's not and to find a different pathway to parenting if that's what you want to do. Right. Then I think that you'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, transitioning, because that's a really good transition <laughs> about speaking <laughs> about conquering your fears and stuff. We Let's talk about fitness and body acceptance and all of that. Yes. My we favorite topic. You, <laughs> yeah. We love how much you talk <laughs> about it. So we saw on your Instagram that you're very open and vulnerable about your history with eating disorders. You talked about it a little bit um, early in our conversation. Um, if you're comfortable, could you talk a little bit about your body journey and all of that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was always like a cute little baby, a toddler, whatever. <laughs> and then I broke my arm like in early middle school. And I definitely gained weight from that. And it was like, then that's the first time that I really started noticing when adults and other people talked about my weight from that point on. And it, be- mm-hmm. it started to become a thing, right? And then I got taller and I lost a ton of weight just naturally because I had just had a growth spurt. And then everybody was talking about how thin I was and how skinny mm-hmm. and like blah, blah, blah. And so that definitely started this like mindset that yeah. thinness was ideal and like the most desirable and all of that. And then in middle school, I actually was bullied pretty bad by a couple of boys which is I mm. feel like it's usually same same gender but these guys were oh girl brutal. I got stories for you <laughs> <laughs> like I have stories horrifying yeah. horrifying if I I mean I can't even get into it but um and it was all focused around my body and everything because I had like sprouted a chest Mm -hmm. (laughs) and curves and hips before other girls in middle Mm -hmm. school. And it was like, they didn't know what to do with that. So they just bullied me for life. Um, Not great, but I ended up dating both of them. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Which is like that we said earlier. Thank you, therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, therapy. Exactly. Obviously all related to all of this and like, definitely Mm -hmm. led to this mindset for myself around needing male approval and like seeking male attention and affirmation, um, especially from having that bullying be related to the boys. So that's a whole nother side of it too, but that's kind of that. And then um, I really started from there that like sent me, sent me deep into um, eating disorder realm. I, before high school, I probably, I don't actually know. I probably lost like 40 pounds, I would say. And I was like very, very, very thin. And I was like 5'7". And it was noticeable. But I just kept getting compliments on it because I wasn't scary thin. Mm -hmm. So it just kept fueling it and fueling it. And I think that's something that's so dangerous with all of that too is that people are so quick to compliment and like talk about your body. And they always praise you for 
you know, losing weight. But then when I was gaining weight and being healthy, <laughs> no one was praising me mm-hmm. for that. So right. it's just like, it's so fucked. Um, my, yeah. my rule of thumb is always, unless you know that person and you know that they've said, expressed to you, I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z, you don't comment on their body. No. Never. Agree. Other than... Oh, you look good. Like right. exactly. Like unless you're giving state them- of existence. Exactly. <laughs> or like you're truly no. concerned for their health and like you're coming right. from like a place of concern. Right. But like besides exactly. that, just keep your fucking mouth shut. Especially if you don't know the person, especially if it's online and it's like on fucking Instagram. Like Oh. Like I feel so bad for like public figures or just not even public figures, but it's like influencers, horrifying. models, like people comment going, You look like you gained weight or you look like oh you my lost God. weight. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry. I had- a guy, I just remember this, slide into my DMs and he was like, wow, you look like you lost weight. Do you want to go out sometime? <gasps> no. And I was like, absolutely not. And you should never comment on a woman's weight that's – or anyone's weight, not just a woman, sorry. Um, yeah, anybody's. Like, that's yeah. definitely not the way to get a date. I was absolutely so mad. Not. Ew. Oh, I was so mad. Yeah. So anyways – that set me off into eating disorder world, but I quickly developed uh, mostly in the beginning it was anorexia, which I feel like is pretty common pathway. And then I really was in the bulimia world, which mm. is um, like binging and purging. Mm-hmm. So eating and then throwing up everything that you ate. And at first it was definitely binging where I was eating large quantities of food, but then it started to be like everything that I ate. So I was truly just getting no calories into my body. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to like really feel like the health effects of it too. And my parents started to notice and my mental health just was tanking. I was like crying every day. I was such a disaster. And I just, I was so insecure and so unstable. And this was probably like uh, maybe a year and a half before someone really caught on. And I just wow. like got caught growing up because I had this is so insane but I had water bottles like stacked in my closet like that I would throw up into and I would hide them in there and then I would put them in my backpack and like take them to school and throw them out at school that's like how insane it is because eating disorders are very secretive like yeah you do you're sneaky like yeah no one really will know yeah the different like measures that I took to to get it all get it all done like you're saying before but in the worst way it's yeah. just like wild but thankfully like people noticed and I did start to get the help that I needed but the physical help that I needed mm-hmm. yeah. the mental help took a lot longer and I was yeah. in therapy and I'm still in therapy but I, I I'm still facing like some of the impact of all of that and I mean like I was saying with the fact that it was kind of related ended up being related to um a lot of my feelings about men and like needing and seeking mm-hmm. their approval, especially because of where it all kind of started from. I, you know, ended up in an abusive relationship and like that also just continued to sort of fuel all of that. And mm-hmm. thankfully I fought my way out of all of that. And I like, am a much better, stronger person now and have been able to, you know, take what I've learned and like bring that and try and help other people heal too. But yeah, crazy. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing that yeah. with us. Um, yeah, it's wild I, to look back and see. <laughs> it's wild to look back, and it's also wild. Like I'm just like all. So I obviously have so many friends who have similar stories, and they yeah. all are so similar. And it just it breaks mm-hmm. my heart. And oh, well, I'm, and so, I mean, like, I'm proud of you. Yeah, yeah, that's what's <laughs> crazy because it feels like such an isolating experience but like you're so not alone in having that experience and yeah man you've grown so much yeah Yeah. (laughs) I know I'm so proud of me too good crazy to look back like I never really talk about it anymore like in depth because it just you know I'm pretty it's not like necessarily the biggest cause of my things that I need to talk about in therapy still today but Mm -hmm. it's just so yeah it's so wild to look back and think about just like how severe it was to to how stable I've become mm-hmm. relatively. <laughs> oh, we love to see it though. <laughs> we, we love therapy we love over it. here. <laughs> yes. I just had therapy Huge today. Fan. So. <laughs> yes, <laughs> amazing. So moving into like hopefully a more positive space for your mental and physical health now. What actually inspired you to teach spin? Yeah. So. Um, in Boston, I went to a studio there, um, just like as a rider, mm-hmm. and I totally fell in love with it. It was like the first workout where I felt like I was just like really in it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't just doing it to do it and like get it done. And like I was really just in the moment with it. And it really allowed me to get out of my head and just go for the 45 minutes or an hour or whatever. And the instructors I always found were so like inspiring and motivating. And I really, there was like two or three women that I just to this day look up to so much still who were my instructors during that time. And they were all so proud of themselves. Like some of them were not just necessarily like the typical spin instructor body, which I would say I'm not either. And that's obviously like all bodies are amazing, but you stand out in that space when you Mm. don't have the expected body type and they owned that and they encouraged like, you know, just going after your own journey and just being yourself and building like that inner strength too. And when I really started connecting my like inner strength to the physical strength that I was building in class, that's when I just was addicted and I realized too that I could like bring that to other people um so yeah yeah, I don't I completely relate to that too like yeah I've dabbled in and out of spin there was like maybe a year period where I was really into it but I enjoy fitness classes and just going to the gym like really that's like my me time of the day and a big part of that is that sort of community aspect like having those people that you look up to or that you guys, you know, you take the class together or whatever. Um, have you had, besides those two people, as a teacher, have you had a similar experience where you have like those regulars or people that feel inspired yes. by you or vice versa? <laughs> What's that like? 100%. It's definitely been like a consistent space for community. Yeah. I I mean, I lived when I lived in Boston, I had so many friends that I made there, like even when I wasn't an instructor, but it's also like one of the only fitness spaces where I've really felt like people are open and like interested in connecting with one another. Like I've been to tons of other types of fitness classes and it really never felt that way. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I think there's so much of like 
building each other up with it since you're doing the same exact movement at the same exact time that like you feel that unity and you like get into that. So yeah. And then when I moved to New York, I was a huge soul cycle person and I met so many of my friends from doing that. And again, it really became this space for a community for me in New York where I was still trying to build like a network and a social life and just that, that level Mm -hmm. of comfort that you get when you do have that community. Right. And now here, like I moved to a new city during a pandemic. And um, I mean, that's like one of the only places I've made friends because where else are you meeting people really? And so I am really super fortunate to have had that space. And um, yeah, I mean, I definitely have had like moments where I know that I've had an impact. Like someone has come up to me after class and like told me about how it got them through their hard day and things like that. And I say that just to encourage people to like find that thing that's going to to be that for you that, you know, mm-hmm. like if you've had a hard day, if you're fighting through something, if you're working through something that it can be that space for you, whether that's fitness or something else. I think it's so important that we all find that. I mean, I know the day after I got fired, the day after my company <laughs> shut down, I was in a soul cycle class, crying <laughs> my eyes out. Oh and my I, was, I was healing. I was healing on that. <laughs> that's, bus, so. <laughs> that's such a healthy way to cope though, compared to like, it's not like it's better than going out and getting I mean, like blackout, you know? <laughs> That's true. That happened the next day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I take it back. <laughs> Balance. <laughs> exactly. Balance. I mean, listen, our slogan is pour some wine and like light a joint. So Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> if I didn't have to be like focused right now, I would definitely be in it. <laughs> <laughs> so um as someone I'm someone who's plus size and but I'm also a former competitive athlete like I can definitely say there's a lot of fat phobia and toxicity in the fitness community even though it can be such a great space if you do find the right people um can you talk about your experience in the fitness world and like have you yourself like come across this toxic body culture oh have I (laughs) (laughs) oh god you're curvy with a banging bod you know like (laughs) Thank you. I agree. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, like, I'm, I'm definitely curvy. Like I have a large chest and a large booty. And, you know, I'm, I'm very fit and I have a ton of muscle, but I'm not Mm -hmm. like, I'm I'm not a stick by any means. She's Um, thick with two C's. That's all I'm saying. She is. We love it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's wild. And it really, it's something that I definitely had to overcome. And I'm still like dealing with it. I mm-hmm. I mean, I've worked in a few different studios at this point, And there have been cases where I was like, singled out by the owner, and I had to, you know, prove myself in like prove my fitness in different ways than other people mm-hmm. were expected mm-hmm. to even though I was absolutely still if not more on the level of fitness as these other people. And it was 100% related to the fact that I was 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds heavier than them. And like, that's just my body. That doesn't mean that I'm not powerful. That doesn't mean that I'm not mm-hmm. strong and I'm not getting this done. And like, if you or have stamina, are going to be so blind, yeah. yeah. Like if you're going to be so blind to literally see me doing exactly what they're doing and still treat me differently than like you need to do work on yourself mm-hmm. because you, that is nothing. Do you think to do it has me. to do with like optics of the company? Oh, it's shitty though. 100%. Like I yeah. have had, I'm not going to say what company, 
my friend was training to be an instructor and the training instructor literally said to her, no one will come to your classes unless you get skinnier. No one wants to look like you. <gasps> oh my that God. Horrific. Because first of Isn't all, that I, insane? I seek out instructors that look like I, me. Yeah. I would honestly feel like I would enjoy that more because like oh they're like they're in this with me if they like I don't know it's I don't want to feel compared oh my god (laughs) chosen an instructor based on the way they look no that's literally the last reason I'm going based on the music the vibe like how they treat you what how they make me feel yes like I have been in classes with the most like fit like stereotypical sexy instructors who are horrific at same and then are also nasty people that are like if you didn't come to or, or if you didn't come to class today to go 100%, if you are not sprinting right now, then you should walk out the door. And I literally was like in my first workout class back from having a back injury. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm yeah. just I'm trying like, to like not do my a team best. sport. Like it's an individual, like it's a, it's a literally. experience, right. but it's an individual. Ugh. Um. Oh my God, your poor friend. That is, did they I continue know, to teach after that? Or like, did they go through with the getting their um what's it yeah called? they they did they they fought they through did. it but did. it's just crazy He's and dead. then like I've been at studios where like you know they only post in their advertising or their marketing the like stereotypical stick thin like raw card whatever even though like I might be selling out classes like still not still, still not getting posted so it's crazy it really is it's just and it's just like never once in my experience as an instructor, has someone ever doubted me? Like, has someone who's taken my class ever doubted me, ever been like, oh my God, you are such an amazing instructor for someone who is like a thick with two C's girly. Like, no <laughs> one ever says that. They're like, right. oh my God, I feel amazing. You made me feel amazing. They don't care about me. Like, it's not about me, you know? Right. No, I <laughs> mean, I'm right. about that. Yeah, I'm with you. I've never ever thought about what an instructor looks like for a reason to take. Well, their so class. I will disagree because really? as someone who is plus size, like I don't like to watch workout videos yeah. of a of a super small That's person. Fair. Yeah, it just yeah. doesn't it, it doesn't help me. It all it, it gets into my head. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I'd rather watch yeah. someone with a similar body type to me. So like I would enjoy so taking true. a class with a curvier instructor. Yeah, um, and I've had multiple people say that to me. Like they have like in the sense of like, I'm glad that I can see like my ability to get as strong as you just because like not related Mm -hmm. to my body type, like that kind of thing, you know, like they can connect with me on that. And like they can, it's intimidating for some people too Mm -hmm. to like go into a class and like see someone that they feel like is may look more fit than them. But obviously we know that looks are not real for health mm-hmm. like when I was at my skinniest I was yeah. the least healthy I've ever been in my life so no I <laughs> yeah. mean and everything re- like all research related to fitness has to do with like expanding your life expectancy and like how it's about your heart and your lungs and it has nothing yes. to do with what you look like um but yes. in that same realm of you know a lot of people are intimidated like do you have any advice for someone who might want to start working out but they really just are intimidated by that gym culture Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think first of all, if you find something that you love 
it's a lot easier to get over that. So you need to to find like what's going to work for you and your body. And also now too, with COVID, we have like such an amazing opportunity with virtual fitness too. So if you need to get more comfortable first, like doing stuff at home, there's tons of at home things where you could still have two way videos so that you're still like in a class community environment. Right. Um, like maybe you'll feel a little more comfortable there. But I think at the end of the day, too, just like finding something that works for you. And once you do, like that stuff becomes a lot less. Like I've never loved doing weights and like lifting weights and whatever. Mm-hmm. Doing weights, it's like not even the way to say it. And I just, obviously, I don't love <laughs> I'm it. like the opposite. I'm like, and- I love weights. Same. <laughs> And I was always super intimidated by it because I didn't feel comfortable because I didn't like it, you know? So that's like the the whole thing. I feel like once you find your thing, you'll, you'll start to build confidence just because, you know, it's your thing. Also, like maybe I would suggest, because I'm thinking about like how I got introduced to weightlifting was because I was playing basketball in high school and they offered us a weightlifting like session. It was like yeah. a session for free after practice. And I was the only girl who went because like both the girl I both the girls team and the boys team were offered it. And I was the only girl amongst the whole boys varsity basketball Man. team. Yes. But like <laughs> I loved it. I was one of the strongest people on the team because I was a big girl. I was six feet tall. Most of the boys were not done with puberty yet. So like I was bigger <laughs> than them. <laughs> and I was like, yes. I'm more weight. I'm just saying. But yeah, like, <laughs> no, it's so important to find something you love. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you're not going to stick with it, first of all. And like, why so would you want to do something every day or three times a week that you just dread? Like, don't do that Couldn't to yourself. Be me. No, <laughs> for an hour. Could not be me. <laughs> Life is too short. Yeah. My mom just got a Peloton. I don't know if you're anti or pro Ooh. Peloton, but she is obsessed and she is, she's obsessed with the instructors. <laughs> Every single day she texts me which right. instructor she has and why she oh loves them. And she, like, she feels like they're friends. She found out she, one of them has COVID. Yes. She's like freaking out though. She's like, oh my God, he has COVID. I'm like, mom, like it's sad, but you don't know him. <laughs> so funny. It's so true though. You do become like, I don't know, not like obviously I'm not a celebrity, but like you people connect with you yeah. it's like a, an opportunity for connection and um like that was like honestly a half the reason why I need to leave Boston because I just knew way too many people from going to Northeastern working mm-hmm. at a bunch of different companies with co-op and everything else and then teaching spin I was like I could not go anywhere without yeah. seeing 17 <laughs> people I knew Boston I was, like, was I need so small like it was I know it's a city but we talked about that all the time in it's college so like small. it was such a small fucking town <laughs> Oh, yeah. my god it is a small town it everybody is not a city. knows everybody i, I refuse mm-hmm. yeah so wild. <laughs> circling back to college now that we're talking about boston and personal growth yes if you could go back to your first semester of college freshman year what advice would you give 18 year old lexi i hate that this is the advice <laughs> but i think so much of my strife and like pain and challenges that I went through as a young woman were related to chasing and investing in men who did not deserve my time. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I was constantly seeking that affirmation and like validation and all of that. And if I had just done the work a little sooner to invest in myself and validate myself and affirm myself, I mean, we would, who would we be today? We would be so much further. Light years ahead, <laughs> light years ahead. Light years. Also, like, maybe to spend, like, a little less money on the weekend, but, like, <laughs> let's be honest, I'm still telling myself that, and I'm several years <laughs> beyond there, so 
we're working on that one. <laughs> That's no, it's good <laughs> advice. Like work on yourself starting yesterday. I mean, I wish yes. I could have done that years ago. It's yeah. sad. And I not mean, like go after it. Like you've got to grind and like chase no. your like not like LinkedIn worked on yourself. No, like, like do the do no. the hard work. Look yeah. internally. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, Reflect. I don't journal, but I can <laughs> I journal still. in my head. Same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Too much effort. Too much. <laughs> Well, I absolutely love that advice, even though you hate it. I think that that's relevant in many ways. And I just really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your whole experience and the ups and the downs and the ugly and the pretty. Like, I think you've come a really long way and you're very inspirational. So keep doing it. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks, guys. That's why we wanted to talk to you. Like, this is all about connecting with people who we think have incredible stories that need to be heard, you know, somebody that you might not regularly be in their circle, just, yes. I don't know. So it's really nice to connect with you again and like really yeah. appreciate you coming on. But last Thank but not you so least, much for having me. Oh my God, of course. <laughs> last but not least, plug yourself. Where can our listeners find you? Do you have anything on the horizon that we should look out for? Are there any virtual classes that people can sign up for? Like whatever you want to do. Fun. Um, yeah. So I'm on Instagram. So everyone can follow me at Loving me Lex. It's just spelt normal, loving me normal, Lex LEX. Um, and then I also have a doula page, uh, the Charlotte Doula. So if you want some, I just started that. So I'm really getting that off the ground um, and planning to put together some breastfeeding courses coming up soon. So be on the lookout for that. If anyone in your audience is potentially in that realm, I'm sure we did get that one email. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So um, that's the best places to find me. Uh, And yeah, thanks again so much for having me. I love what you guys are doing and giving space for. Awesome. Yeah. And thank you for being vulnerable and open and sharing your story with us and our listeners. (laughs) Totally. Totally. All right. Thanks, Lexi. Thank you for listening to Meet My Mutual. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And be sure to tell your friends about us. We welcome you to connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Meet My Mutual. Thank you so much for the support. We'll see you next time on Meet My Mutual. <laughs>